This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Gum, gum, gum. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Welcome to the Star Wars Report. My name is Scott Rifen, and there's no Riley, there's no Bruce, there's no Mark, there's no anybody. I'm sitting here, and I thought, well, why don't I spend an hour talking Star Wars with somebody I've never met before in my entire life? <laughs> so, I would like you to uh, welcome... Christy Morris to the uh, the program here. How are you, young lady? Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> nice to meet you. Well, sort of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I've, I've been on Cloud City Casino with Michael, but uh, you and I have never really bumped uh, into each other in the whole realm of things. I don't know how that, I don't know how we missed each other, but we have. I know. Well, now we're finally meeting. That's right. That's right. And what a heck of a place to do it, too. Right here on the Star Wars Report. Yep. Uh, now, let me... Let me, let me ask you this. Now, you have a brand new podcast you've launched. I know we're supposed to be talking Star Wars Report, but you you just launched a brand new podcast. Are you going to get into that for a second? Yeah, so it has to do with Star Wars, so it's still relevant. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Sabers and Spells for lightsabers, and then our other favorite fandom is Harry Potter, so hence the spells, the magic. Uh, and it's uh, my friend Teresa Delgado and I talking every other week about um, whatever geek-wise and pop culture we want to talk about. So sometimes it's going to be Star Wars, but then other times, like recently, we went through the final season of Game of Thrones. And, you know, if you're going to do a podcast like that, Teresa's about the person you'd want to be doing it with. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I love no, her. She's great. No, she's great. And she is, I mean, you know, of anybody that does podcasts out there, she's, you know, she's one of my favorites. You know, there's there's her and there's Glosson. And then there's, of course, the Blanton kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just that that tight little tight knit little group there. But uh, I, I don't know. Where where do we go here from here? Where do we what do you want to jump into? You want to jump in straight into some news? Of course. All right, let's do it. We have something to report. Data have the news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. You can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. All right, the first big news story we have today is that Christy and I were both thrown into this with absolutely no notes and no prep time. I'm sure it's not showing at all. But <laughs> the uh, the other big news story, there's a couple of big news stories. I guess the first thing we should jump into is this Vanity Fair. The latest Annie Leibovitz uh, photo spread for Vanity Fair. They've been doing this ever since episode one, since The Phantom Menace. And uh, every time there's a new Star Wars movie, there's a new Annie Leibovitz photo shoot for the new film. Have you uh, have you seen all this stuff yet? Yeah, I briefly went through it when I saw it pop up on Twitter the other day, but then now I'm really getting to see the images blown up on my desktop. And her pictures mm. are always so perfect, aren't they? I Yeah, I hate it. It's not fair. <laughs> No, it really isn't. I mean, I try to take pictures and, you know, even with my, let me just say that I'm such a bad photographer. My wife and I were on a trip to Disney World one time, which will come into play later in the program. Mm -hmm. And um, she was walking around with her camera uploading 
pictures to Facebook and that kind of thing. And I was walking around with this. She was walking around with her phone, you know, using her phone as a camera. And I was walking around with this big six hundred and something dollar, you know, fancy schmancy camera. And I'm taking all these pictures. I'm like, okay, there's a picture, and there's the picture. And then I look at what she's uploading to Facebook with her phone, and it's blowing mine out of the water. I have no photography skills whatsoever. Well, and I mean, now Uh, they're making sure that your phones have the same quality of a nice camera. So, yeah. And yet I can do nothing with it. (laughs) Uh, It's it's really sad. I mean, I can't even take good dog pictures for whatever reason. Everybody takes good dog pictures. I can't take good dog pictures. Well, maybe we'll get you Annie's (laughs) camera. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, she's using that. You know, they always think that. You know, if I get a really expensive guitar, I'll be just like all the guitar greats. No. If I get a great camera, I'll be just as good as the great photographers. And it never seems to work that way, does it? Nah, they've got a gift. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She really does. She really has a gift, and she is always good at presenting new Star Wars imagery uh, in fresh ways that. Uh, to me, it's always a little unexpected. There's always some some surprising aspect to it. Yeah, and I'll say, too, I think that it really takes a talent for them to reveal the things that they want you to see in these pictures. Yes. But still keep a lot of it a mystery. Absolutely. And they did a great job with this. I guess let's let's kind of walk through, at least as I'm reading it on the website, they've got two covers. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this will make the Raylos happy. Uh, there's a Kylo Ren and there's a Ray cover. And they're kind of, they almost, the backgrounds almost form one big background. Yeah, it looks like they took one continuous shot of the scenery and then just took separate shots of Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley and put them in. Yeah, anything you learned from that? I mean, uh, I, I don't see anything that's particularly fresh. No, because we've already kind of seen the um, costumes in the trailer yeah. that we got back in April, but... Yeah. It, and we saw the desert. Mm-hmm. But, you know, interesting. I mean, it, it does kind of, I guess, put them in possibility of Kylo being the one driving that TIE fighter. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I think that is his, too. So, yeah, I, I suggest so. Uh, we move on to a shot in the desert. And I saw that from the article they're in, I, I'll never be able to pronounce this right, Wadi Rum? I think that's right. I mean, uh, we're not from Jordan, so we're going to butcher it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they had to go. Tunisia is just, I mean, right now, globally, Tunisia is just not a nice place to be, unfortunately. And uh, so I guess, you know, they had to go somewhere where it's safe to go, and they have a desert. Usually Tunisia is your go-to, but uh, this it looks exotic and it looks intriguing. You know, Jordan's also where they shot uh, that end sequence, part of the end sequence for uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, the big temple, the temple of the, uh, what is it, the temple of the crescent moon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next shot, we've got J.J. in the desert with what's got to be the Knights of Wren. It is. And, and this yeah. is the first time we've seen them really clearly, you know, except for that flashback mm-hmm. from Kylo before. Yeah, and one of the guys, the guy dead center, he's got his back to us with a big Batman cowl looking thing on. Uh, and you note the the little pike weapon that he's got in his hands. Somebody pointed out on Twitter the other day that that pike weapon is also in Dryden Voss's little collection. Oh, good point. So isn't that, a, to me, that's kind of interesting. Well, and even like the helmets make me think of a lot of things we've seen before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it may be kind of Mando-ish, but... Yeah, there's a little Mando on some of these. There's a little Death Trooper on the one on the right to me. Uh-huh. Uh, 
the one behind JJ to the to the left as we're looking at it kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit of Lando's uh, skiff guard disguise. Or for me, it was like the face mask part reminds me of Enfys Nest. Yeah, yeah, no, I see that totally. I uh, with a kind of a samurai helmet on. Yeah, it, which again, you know, and those those are the kinds because I'm an old 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 man. And uh, yeah, whatever. So yeah, so <laughs> when I see these things that have very George Lucas touches to them, it makes me happy because I, I often worry in the current era of Star Wars, you know, as they're trying to blaze their own ground, I often worry that they'll leave the George Lucasness behind. And when I see something like that with a very, very samurai-looking helmet to it, I say, you know what? That's cool. They, they're still respecting the traditions here when I see that. Yeah, and, and it shows, too, with especially people like J.J. and with uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, they really are honoring what George brought, you know, and made all of this from. So I feel like they're yeah. they're bringing back those roots and making sure that it continues. So I think you won't have anything to worry about. No, I think we're in good shape. And then you take a look at the next shot, which is Carrie Russell's character, Zori Bliss. And this is intriguing to me. What do you this like is a most? Good, you have to love the helmet. Yeah. The helmet's it's got this real rocketeer vibe to it. That's exactly uh, what which, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, which again goes back to George Lucas and you know the 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 original clone troopers had a kind of a rocket man rocketeer type vibe to them and uh i love it i i I think it's a great looking costume i think it's it's got it's kind of rocketeer slash zam wessel yeah and it even made me think of um sabine a little bit yeah with the purple mm -hmm, and then it being like a much Mm -hmm. more fitted kind of pants and stuff um yeah she looks like a woman of action because she can't have clothes getting in her way no, exactly. And she's, I'm assuming those are blasters. They're kind of sheathed like daggers, but I see points on the end of them. I'm assuming she's twirling two blasters that uh, the way they're configured, the only thing I can figure is that she's going to draw them cross-armed, which is which yeah. is a great visual if that's the case. Yeah, because they're pointing inward instead of outward. Yeah. So she would like reach across, you know, do a little cross with her arms and whip them right out. Maybe she's uh, a gunslinger. I think she's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's going to be fun to watch. I have no idea what she's going to be. Yeah. Hopefully, but you know, the other thing, though, as Star Wars has a, a tendency, a habit of uh, a tradition, if you will, of showing really cool looking characters and then giving them about 90 seconds of screen time and <laughs> moving on. Uh, my favorite character, Ara Singh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She just, <laughs> she just, oh, look, there's some pod racers going by. Oh, that's nice. And then finally, and the that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, and thank goodness for the Clone Wars because they did flesh out a lot of those guys that we didn't, you know, it's like we wanted to see more of that and it's gone yeah. now. So, but I, I think, again, great picture. And the entrance, though, she's kind of walking out of a door. And the caption is she's seen in the thieves' quarter of the snow dusted room, Kijimi. Um, it kind of reminds me again of Canto Bite and those doors. Remember they built those big doors around uh, wherever? What were they in Croatia or where were they? Yeah, I think it was Croatia. Am I am I saying anything that makes any sense at all at this point? Yes, it does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of to me has a little bit of that vibe. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking more no. um, because of the rest of the scenery, like uh, yeah. old worldly. Hmm. Yeah, like it reminds me of like cobblestoney. Yeah, or um, like ancient Asian kind of look to it. 
Well, again, you go back to George Lucas, and he's uh, he's very much got an Asia fetish, so that makes sense. Right. Uh, also, look at the stairs, and it looks to me like the stairs are built, and I think this is a neat touch because you don't think about this stuff, you know, when you're just going about your daily business here. But it looks like the stairs are built so that, say, an R two unit or some kind of a droid can get down them. Uh, easily. Oh, yeah, yeah, because on the one side, it's like two paths close together. Yeah. Like wheels. It's almost like configured for, yeah, exactly. Wheels can get down it easily. I love when they go to that level of thought. You know, that's world building to me. Love that stuff. I agree. And I, I think, too, JJ is just the kind of person that thinks of those things. Mm-hmm. That I feel like for this movie, he probably went back through every single bit of Star Wars that he could to, you know, get the world building correct. Yeah. Well, speaking of every single bit of Star Wars, we take a look at that next shot and uh, you've got General Hux and Allegiant General Pride on the bridge of Kylo Ren's destroyer. This is a different looking Hux than we saw in the last film. Yeah, this one is much more like he's risen up in the ranks and he's ready to take control of the situation and maybe he's going to give Kylo a bit more of a run for his money. Yeah, and I, I'm glad because I tell you, one of the things that I, and I'm not here to beef on The Last Jedi, but one of the things I do kind of beef on with The Last Jedi is Hux kind of got turned into, I mean, he, to me, in The Force Awakens, he's scary. Right, his speech. You know, He's he, so memorable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just a scary guy to me. And then for the end of The Last Jedi, he just gets thrown... Well, actually, the whole movie, because even at the beginning, Snoke's throwing him around like a rag doll. Uh, and he just seems like comic relief, and he seems very powerless and impotent. And I didn't I didn't like that, because I like I like to be scared of my bad guys. Yeah. Um, and, and this kind of looks like he's he's going back to that territory. When you get Kylo kind of being like the spoiled child because he has this family history of being incredible. And yeah. with Hux, you wanted him to be more. And then he was treated like they're two quabbling, you know, brothers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, if, if you look at the panels, they're sitting at this little control panel. And if you look at the panels they're sitting in front of, they're very old school OT looking panels very simple stark uh not a lot of hologram displays or anything like that just you know very simple primary color buttons or even green button which is not primary color but you know what i mean yeah. uh very simple basic color buttons uh very very uh original death star looking if you will and i was really excited that richard e grant was in this picture because when i found out that he was going to be in this movie i was so excited because i loved him from doctor who Mm. Now, who's, who did he play in Doctor Who? He was one of the villains. I can't remember which episode it was, but it was in the uh, 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, seasons. Um, and uh, he has this power trip and everything, and he just plays such a great villain. And then I've seen him in other things I can't remember, too. But he's he's just really made for this kind of role. So I'm excited to see him in it and excited that he's happy about it. All right, now I got to look this up. Thanks a lot. Now I got to look this up. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, let's see, Dr. Simeon. Okay, the great intelligence. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay, I remember that. Okay. Because I watched, I was very much watching the Matt Smith Doctor Who. So, okay. I, I did not recognize him at all. In this. Yeah. That is cool. But doesn't he look menacing? Oh, yeah. No, he looks like, to me, he kind of looks like he's the guy that got Hux into shape. Right. You know, he came in and said, all right, this is juvenile. You need to grow up. Yeah. 
Yeah, stop your moping. Exactly. Slapped him around a little bit and said, come on, be a man. Remember that guy that was giving that speech at the, uh, uh, the, the oh, what's the name of the thing from the from the Force Awakens? How did I forget that? Oh, at a Starkiller base. Starkiller base. Thank you. Fine. Death Star two and a half. Um, yeah, it's like, remember that guy that gave that speech? Be that guy. Right. It's uh, did you ever see The Godfather? No. Okay, Johnny Fontaine, the the uh, the singer who's based on Frank Sinatra, comes in to the Godfather's office and he's he's trying to figure out what to do with his career and he's crying in front of him and it's just I don't know what to do, Godfather. The Godfather jumps up, slaps him, and goes, "You can act like a man." <laughs> and uh, that's just kind of what it seems like. This is what he's gonna do uh, to to uh, General Hux to get him back on track again, which is important. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, like you said, Hux kind of needed that because he devolved into this, you know, sniveling guy who felt like, well, I just keep getting knocked down and what can I do yeah. about it? Yeah. And so and Kylo's just I'm going to throw him around here if he's done. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's jump. Uh, let's jump ahead to the the shot of C-3PO in the desert. Oh, there's so much in this picture. There is so much in this picture. And I love that they said to um, JJ said there was something about what the light does with the sand that you can't hmm. duplicate digitally. And you see that in yeah. these pictures of the desert. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've got Anthony Daniels suited up. They've got an umbrella over him because he's got to be just boiling in that suit. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. And then you've got Ray and Chewie off to the side. But behind all of them. You've got that, what I think is the vehicle we see them riding in the trailer, isn't it? Mm, maybe. Or is it? You know, you kind of see them on this skiffy looking thing in the trailer, but it seems like it seems like that's got components of it. Now, I don't know that the wheels are part of it. I'm sure they'll be digitally painted out. But mm -hmm. uh, I think I could be wrong on this. I think that's the vehicle we see them riding on in the trailer, you know, and 3PO's hanging on for dear life and everything. Well, now I've got to look that up. <laughs> go for it yeah tell me i'm crazy on this but i i think that's the vehicle from the trailer i again could be totally totally wrong it has happened about three times before that i'll admit to let's see i wonder i don't need the sound who's gonna fast forward that trailer yeah oh and, and i almost missed finn because of his new hairdo to the right of three people. Yeah, and all you see is the back of his head. Yeah. Totally almost missed him. All right, all right. so you're watching through that I'm, thing. I'm skipping ahead. Okay, I got to know. You let me know if you think that's the vehicle they're on. And I kept hearing that that was a people thought it was a Thai silencer, but uh, my husband was saying it's not a silencer, it's something else. Oh, at the beginning? Mm -hmm. That I don't know. I'm jumping all over the place. <laughs> now you made me want to pull it up now. I'm going to grab mine, too. Let's see. Oh, I just saw it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very quick look. Yeah, so it it does look like that's probably it. Yeah, uh, Poe's driving. Yeah, yeah. He can fly anything or drive anything. That's right. <laughs> so he'll tell you all day long. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that Oops. is what Poe's driving in the trailer. How cool is that? And apparently, again, you know, they're not 
and I'm sure there will be shots of them in front of a background that they mad out. But uh, for the most part, they've got them on a real thing that's actually moving, just like the land speeder in the original film. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually have the toy land speeder that I can drive because I'm under the weight limit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have one of those sitting in my garage right now um, in the box. I was offered a very good deal. You know, when KB went out of business, they were selling oh, things yeah. for a song. And uh, I've got two grandkids and I bought it. I said, I'm going to give this to the grandkids. And it didn't even occur to me that I have to get it to where they are, which is like seven hours away. So, yeah, so, so it hasn't it's made still it sitting yet. in my garage. <laughs> no, that was their Christmas present. Here we are. It's, you know, almost June and it hasn't gone, uh, hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah. I'm looking at it now on the trailer frozen frame. Yeah. That's gotta be it. Yeah. You see all the, it's got the kind of scraggly color. looking ropes. It's got that staff sticking up that C3PO is holding onto in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think we've discovered something there. Uh, and I, but I do love how they're doing it. They're just putting it on wheels and going, all right, here you go. You're actually in a real vehicle. Uh, and again, I'm sure the wheels will be digitally removed by the time it's all said and done. But a great way to do it. It'll actually drive. Think? Yeah, yeah. This thing is so rich in detail. What are you? What else are you noticing in this? Uh, I'm wondering what Chewie's doing there. Hmm. Now, you mean what is he doing in that specific moment or what is he doing on this planet? On this planet is for this scene in the movie what he must be doing in that scene. Hmm. Well, he's got his bowcaster, so he's uh, whatever it is, it's serious. Yeah, and and, and like I said, <laughs> I'm still thinking of this whole scene where you know the Tie Fighter is chasing Ray and she jumps over it. Um, mm -hmm. That must mean that the rest of them are around there same somewhere on the same planet. Yeah, exactly. Interesting to figure that out. Hmm. Skip ahead to the next one, and we've got another shot of, of Daniels in his C-3PO suit. And uh, it's a good-looking suit. You know, I I, uh, I was a little critical of the one in Force Awakens because it, it didn't have the right sheen to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one, this one looks good. I can't argue with this one. Yeah, it looks uh, worn like you would expect it to be, especially for being back in the desert. Although I will tell you this, and I, you know, I haven't gone through the history. You know, some of these guys are so, like costume vigilantes or whatever. You know, they're just they pay attention to all this stuff. But uh, for large chunks of the original trilogy, three PO not only, you know, of course he had the red arm in Force Awakens, but mm -hmm. he had like a silver calf through much of the original trilogy. I notice he does not have a silver calf going now, but I don't know. I couldn't trace the history of the silver cap. Like there, like it was a shock to me a couple of months ago to find out that there are a gajillion different Boba Fett costumes. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so, well, there's a color scheme for this one. It's different. It's like, it is? He's Boba Fett. What's the difference? But uh, yeah, apparently there are a difference of those. And I'm just, I'm thinking, for some reason, I was thinking that one of those calves should still be silver. But I guess over the years, he's had replacement parts. But he's looking good. Yeah, if you if you look at him back from you know like a New Hope compared to this one, this one definitely looks you know newer, smoother, um, definitely not as uh, beat up and dirty. No, uh, and you know what's funny though is if you go all the way down and look at his feet, it's almost like the next big Star Wars product, like three uh, PO Crocs. Oh yeah, they do because like rubber, not quite metallic. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Well, at least maybe like, they'll play keep... it off. Yeah, I just figured they're probably we got to keep him comfortable somehow. 
So let's let's at least keep his feet comfortable, if nothing else. Right. I love how though yeah, it, a, it always does look like a full body suit without any kind of gaps anywhere, even though you know it's not. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's a gorgeous thing, and it's it's got to be. I don't know if I were. I mean, I know he's made his career off of doing this, but I just I can't imagine coming back and going, "All right, I'll put that thing on again." You can't control your falls. You have no real sense of balance. You can't really see anything. Uh, your movement is still age, so restricted. Yeah, yeah, and at his age, you have to go. Ah, could, he's probably more likely to break a hip next time he falls. Isn't he? <laughs> well, he didn't seem like it at celebration. No, that's good. That's he's good. Still pretty spry. I loved, I loved the the way that they let everybody come on and talk because uh, I will tell you that uh, I know for a fact when they did the last Anaheim celebration and they they brought every you know the original cast out and everything that they were very concerned about uh, Anthony Daniels. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill kind of just mouthing off because mm. they all kind of had that, you know, they all kind of had that tendency. Right. Uh, and they were trying to kind of structure it so that they wouldn't. Uh, and uh, it, it seems like at Chicago and, and you were there, I think, I think it's. Oh, yeah, I was there. Um, I did not make this one, unfortunately, uh, but it seems like it was, uh, you know, from watching it at home and I did watch it at home. Uh, it seemed like it was a lot less heavily structured than some of those previous panels where they were allowed to just kind of go off and and uh, shoot their mouths off a little bit, which I love. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially it felt like Anthony, they just could not control his mouth this time. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, can you ever? Well, there is that. I did go see uh, at Celebration, it was Celebration 6, I guess, when he was doing, he was still doing his, his uh, you know, his little one-man thing. Mm -hmm. And the guy is just fantastic. The guy just oozes fun energy charisma all of that yeah uh, all right let's whoops no sorry. go ahead uh jump on to the uh horsing around finn and new ally Jana, atop hardy orbax lead the charge against the mechanized forces of the first order it's extremely real to be in it says naomi aki and to see how it works from the inside uh Sounds to me like we're going back again to a tried and true Lucas tradition, which is uh, low tech beats high tech. Yeah, they absolutely went with the practical effects wherever they could and made sure to honor the original way you know Lucas intended it. Even though obviously we know that these creatures aren't real, the way that they <laughs> do them, it, it looks so real in the pictures. Oh, yeah, they look fantastic. Well, you know, it's a combination of it looks real and yet also kind of looks like a painting uh, at the same time. But, yeah, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, Lucas's original idea is to have the Wookiees beat the Empire and then he, the Wookiees are too smart. So he needs to go lower tech and he has the Ewoks defeat the Empire. And it looks like, again, he's they're saying, OK, the Empire has all the big machines. We've got all the little animals and everything and we're going to beat them or the First Order in this case has the, the machines. So I think that's. An interesting way to play into that. Now, there were questions at that panel at Chicago, and again, I'll defer to you on this, mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, what Finn finds out, what his relationship is, that kind of thing, etc. cetera. Uh, does he wind up with Janna, perhaps? I kind of hope not. I just want them to be partners. I think just because it's a mm -hmm. man and a woman in a scene together, they don't have to be in a relationship, you know? No, no, you're right. You're right about that. 
Uh, but, you know, there will also be people who will insist every man and every woman in a scene together have to be in relationships. <laughs> right. Or that everybody in Star Wars is somehow related. Like, oh, are they brother and sister? Yes. You know. Yes. They don't have of to course. be. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Speaking of a uh, man and a woman on screen together having to be lovers and everybody having to be related. <laughs> the next shot. <laughs> Ray and Kylo. Kylo Ren. <laughs> yes. Kylo Ren and Ray battle it out with lightsabers in a stormy confrontation. This is such a gorgeous shot. This is this is a poster. I mean, it really is. And I hope that it was actually pouring down rain on them as they were shooting the scene because it would make it so much more real for me in a good way. Mm -hmm. They're on top of either a, a vehicle or a building. What if someone posed this on Twitter and I was like, ooh, I like it. What if they were on okay. top of the remnants of the Death Star that we saw in that scene, Ray looking out at it? I will totally buy that. I would love that. All day. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited by that whole concept. And, I, you know, I guess we shouldn't be because uh, how many times can you do the Death Star? But uh, I say as long as, it, as you do it well, as many times as you want. Right. Well, and I mean, it's always like those <laughs> things that we wonder about that we never see on film. What happened to the mm -hmm. pieces after it blew up? Yeah. And you see big chunks of it at the end of Return of the Jedi. In fact, I was just watching it this weekend, thanks to Turner and TNT showing <laughs> right. their giant marathon. And isn't it amazing that, you know, these are movies that we have. I'm sure you've bought them a bunch of times. I bought I bought most of these movies at least eight or nine different times and uh, I could watch them in about any form I want. But if they're on TV, commercials and all, I will stop and sit and watch them. Same. And Anytime. I, I knew it. I knew it. Um, but yeah, Return of the Jedi, there's a giant chunk of that Death Star that comes floating off when they're uh, when they blow it up. Uh, and I know that there's some some, uh, I guess, other literature that talks about them in erecting force fields and that kind of thing. Uh, to make sure it doesn't damage the forest moon of Endor. But, you know, the forest moon is a moon. Uh, and even though it was in orbit around it, perhaps perhaps it actually hit the planet Endor itself. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know where this is. Right. I, I think that they're probably on Endor also because of the forest scenes we've seen mm. okay. coming up in, you know, the Rise of Skywalker pictures. Yeah. But we'll that see. may well be. May well be. I'm excited. All right, so we get back to we're back to the desert again. Now is this is this desert? Is this the result of what has happened to the moon of Endor when uh, the Death Star hit? That it did like environmental damage. No, that there was like now a desert? cosmic um, explosion yeah. that destroyed all life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, is is that is that where we are? I don't think so. I think this is a no either a new planet or. Uh, Maybe back at Jakku again. Jakku. Did they or, say what planet I, this is? I don't think so. Uh, well, they may have. Oh, it, it is uh, a new planet, Pasana. Oh, is it? Uh, so we were. You wrong. know, I almost would rather. Yeah. Well, there you go. So four times for me. <laughs> um, you know, I would almost rather it be Jakku because I don't know if you remember this or not, but when the Force Awakens came out, there was this real big hint in a lot of the the literature and everything that. Uh, that there was something underneath the surface of Jakku that the emperor was interested in. Oh, I don't remember that. Does that, does, that doesn't ring any bells. Um, it was, and, and uh, I can't remember the sources at this point, but uh, yeah, it was a, uh, 
Uh, it was a thing like there was something, some Sith thing under the surface that uh, I've, I've gone to Wikipedia and it's all in Wookiee. <laughs> I was going to look it up. It's all in Wookiee. How do I translate Wikipedia? Oh, in uh, Shri Wook? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all in Shri Wook. What am I supposed to do with this? Uh, all right. Well, I'll just... Uh, that's got to be a different Wikipedia. Yeah, right? Like, how'd you find that one? Usually it's in yeah. English. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, I found it. Okay, that's, I think that was Wikipedia translated into Shri Wook is what that was. Uh, that's not going to do us any good. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that, that perhaps the Wikipedia page on Jakku may actually uh, help people to understand that I actually am talking about something that exists. <laughs> But that's Let's see. interesting because I do remember like all the other illusions they had in The Force Awakens of, you know, Finn going, why is everyone so obsessed with Jakku? Um, yeah. But they don't really ever explain why. Now, let's see. Uh, uh, let's see. Darth Sidious, known as Gal New the Galaxy's Emperor Palpatine, regarded Jakku as essential to his contingency. Um, boy, there's a lot in here, a lot more than I thought there'd be. Um, but yeah, there was there was a thing that that uh, the emperor was kind of obsessed with something to do with Jakku. Maybe a Sith artifact or, or relic or something. Yeah, so let's see. And I kind of always thought they'd bring that around, but they then they didn't. And I'm gonna raise this question to you because we're talking about the emperor okay. anyway. The laugh at the end of the trailer. Oh my goodness! This is the best part. I can't imagine what it would have. Because were you were you in the actual panel? Yes, and I was sitting beside. I can't imagine uh, how that. Yeah, I was sitting beside my my friend Bruce Gibson. Yes, and uh, well, you know Bruce, he's on this show. Yeah, he, he, of course yeah. I do. Uh, and uh, and my husband and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden Bruce and I start punching each other and going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine the... And then, of course, when he comes out after they finish showing the trailer. Yes, and saying, roll it again. Roll it again. Oh, I loved it. And then mic drops. Beautiful. Okay, here here we go. Uh, at some point, the planet was reduced to a barren desert wasteland. However, the planet's core still had the vital spark of life essence, something which disgusted Sheev Palpatine. Uh, la, 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 la. About a thousand standard years before the Battle of Yavin, the Plaintive Hand Plateau was the site of an event that was regarded as significant by Palpatine. He believed that the site would become significant again in the future. And I guess that's from Aftermath Life Debt. But I do remember, I think in one of the prequels, um, him saying something like, you have the site. What do you mean? The, that Palpatine said that to Anakin at some point. That you have the sight? Uh -huh. What does that mean? I think it has to do with this. Oh, jeez. All right, now i got to go look that up again. I'm crazy. Maybe I totally made that up, uh, but I feel like I remember that now. Christy, I'm going to be down a rabbit hole for the rest of the evening now. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. I'm supposed to be going to bed after this, and now I'm going to be going down rabbit holes. Wait, all wait, night. wait. Uh, I'm going to do it. Huh? Oh, you're Googling. Okay. Now we're going to Google Fest. Let's see. Palpatine. 
The Jakku Observatory was home to computers which projected paths into the unknown regions, a collection of Sith relics, and a borehole which led to the planet's core. Yeah, there's all this stuff about Palpatine and Jakku. Which, again, is why I kind of thought that's where we'd wind up. I swear I remember him saying that. Oh. What's the context? That, like, I think it was in the scene where um, he, Palpatine is fighting Mace Windu and doing the Force lightning and telling Anakin that he has the same gift, like, you, you have the sight. Hmm. 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 All right, keep looking for that. Keep looking for that. Uh, I'm jump to the next picture though. Okay. Um, the next picture is them in the desert riding on that big machine, that big Galuti machine there. Uh, BB-8 is in a net. Chewie's hanging on for dear life. Uh, this looks interesting. This looks like it's going to be fun. This looks like it's going to be, you know, swashbuckling, cliffhanging, adventurey type stuff. This picture of Billy D and Oscar Isaac and Chewie and BB-8. Oh, yeah, the Falcon shot. Yeah. Yeah. I love, first of all, just the clarity of the picture. It's not at all mm. fuzzy, you know what I mean, um, mm. or old-fashioned looking in the way it was shot. It's very crisp. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Billy D looks incredible. He's, uh, yeah, for a man who's in his 80s, solidly in his 80s, he's looking good. Does not look it. No. No, I, I worried about him because, you know, I saw him on Dancing with the Stars. It was not pretty. But oh, uh, but he tried. Uh, but he, he did try, but it's like, wow, the, the guy can't really move. But I think I think a lot of these movies tend to snap some of these guys out of their... Uh, out of their older funk. I think they step it up for these things. I think JJ's got a way of doing that because, you know, Harrison Ford, for the probably eight or nine years before The Force Awakens came out, was pretty much doing Mumblefest, where he would just do movies where he grumbled. In fact, he did that. What was that movie? Morning Glory? Did you ever see that? No. Morning Glory. He plays a TV news anchor and he mumbles the whole time. I'm like, look, I, I'm in the broadcast industry. We would never hire a guy who sits and mumbles. To read the news. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. But, you know, so like everything he did, it was mumble, mumble, mumble. And, you know, uh, uh, reputedly, Abrams took him aside and said, we're not getting that Harrison Ford. We're going to get that other Harrison Ford. And it and they did. You know, they, they got a good, spunky, full of life Harrison Ford. And I think he he may have gotten to Billy D and said, man, we're going to get young Billy D. Come on, bring it. And it worked. Yeah. Uh, well, I say it worked, worked with Harrison Ford. I it looks like it's going to work with Billy D. I think it will. I think it'll be fine. I I can't believe they put a shot of him flying the Falcon in the trailer. I mean, that just, again, you know, boxes checked, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they have to, to, to <laughs> make, make the fans of, you know, the original trilogy excited as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, we'll jump into the, the Aki Aki. What about these guys? I love these. I like that they're basically these colorful robes that remind me of sort of what people might wear, um, you know, on a desert planet anyway, or in a desert country. Why almost all red, do you think? Is that blending in? What is that? Hmm. I don't know. I... 
don't know that it. It almost. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it almost strikes me as religious. Yeah, I think that it would have to be just something cultural for them specifically. That it, I mean, mm-hmm. it does not blend in with the background for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it is an interesting look, though. I'll give you that. And uh, again, what a lot of people like and want and demand is people in costumes and masks and not uh, computer-generated characters. Right. Which is what they did, and I, I think that it's beautiful, and I, I think that it does give it this world of it, it's a, a lived-in world, and it's not this, yeah. you know, computer-generated, more false-looking creature. Yeah, no, a lot of the problems with a lot of the computer-generated stuff is it does look clean. And it's hard to kind of dirty some of that stuff up and scuff it up. But uh, right. in this situation, they've done pretty well. Um, but these may I end up being like the caretakers where you see them for, you know, a couple seconds and they don't get to do much. And I hope that's not the case. Now, the the next two shots, I guess the last two shots are, uh, to me, some of the most interesting ones. One is John Williams conducting the orchestra for the score. Um. I, I I just have to tell you, I have a, a since childhood love affair with John Williams. And uh, to see him doing this, that, you know, I first became aware of him when I was a little boy for the same music, these same themes, you know, as the story grows, he gets to kind of put the capper on this. I don't know that anybody's really ever gotten to do anything of this scale before musically. Oh, right. Because, I mean, of course, you know, he did Indiana Jones movies and... Mm-hmm. so many other incredible things i mean he just he's regarded as the best so yeah i hope that it coming you know into the future people will take inspiration from him and learn from him because you know he's not getting any young, younger sadly no 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 and he is a an absolute giant but it's just amazing to watch him kind of you know it's nine films and one giant saga and he's gotten to do the music for all of them and all the themes and weave the themes back and forth and mature the themes and grow it. And just, uh, I just, I, I get excited every time there's a new star Wars, star Wars soundtrack and it really all comes back down to John Williams. Well, and he's the person um, that made me like soundtracks more because, you know, I was telling Bruce, I said, it, uh, the David Collins panel that we went to in Chicago, he always does one, you know, about the music of star Wars. Sure. Yeah, I went to his Rogue One one at uh, in, uh, Orlando. And it always feels a little too over my head. I try, <laughs> but he has to kind of bring it down to my level, and then I go, oh, okay. So, yeah. um, but, but with John Williams' music, I never knew until David talked about how connected everything is and how mm-hmm. there's such hidden meaning in the choice of different notes together. Yeah, and there really there really is the choice of the intervals and the you know these intervals mean things sometimes that go back hundreds of years. Um so it is and it's interesting because you know not having that that deep scholarship, you know, you and I are kind of on the outside of that when you hear that kind of thing explained and knowing that these guys know it when they wrote it, you go holy cow, this is there's a lot more thought than just going oh pretty melody. I have you ever right. seen the video of uh the, the whitest kids you know sketch with John Williams. No, it's very funny, but it's also it it also doesn't really paint the picture of them understanding what he does do. But it's just kind of him sitting around going, you know, coming up with melodies left and right, you know, throwing them out. Oh. Uh, 
and it's just <laughs> and it's it's funny but it's also it's like kind of like well you kind of don't get what this guy does uh, because what he does is really scholarly and researched and thought out, and it's not just random stringing together of notes. It's it's a lot more than that. Right. Um, and so we jump down to the last pick. Luke, R2, Flames. What does this say to you, Christy? It, it says to me that Luke, in my opinion... It's coming back. I think that mm. this is what is signified in the title, Rise of mm. Skywalker. Um, I, I think that it's probably his force ghost, like a projection. I don't necessarily think that he's still alive. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's showing that he's going to have a role in this movie clearly, and that it, it's possibly going to be in the present with ray or with kylo again or that it could be a flashback of them thinking about how luke would feel about what they're doing interesting um yeah i i tend to think force ghost as well mm-hmm. with luke i mean you know a lot of people are making hay out of the fact that he doesn't look like a force ghost here but these are set picks Right. You know, this, these are them on the set. It doesn't necessarily, these aren't in-story, in-continuity shots. Um, though, interestingly, somebody was pointing out the other day on Twitter that there are segments of this Luke that are photoshopped from the Last Jedi photo shoot. Well, it does look like what like, he was like, wearing. Yeah. Toward the end. Like his arm and the, the way his legs are positioned and just literally the folds in his robe are very similar to a shot they used in the Last Jedi photo shoot. Yeah. Um, it, it almost makes you wonder if they're, you know how J.J. Abrams is and uh, a little misdirection. That's a little magic term. Mm-hmm. Um, throwing a little misdirection out there, make you think one thing when there's something completely different going on. It almost makes me wonder if this shot isn't there for, for some kind of misdirection. I'm sure it is. And I mean, it, we've noticed that constantly with the, um, you know, when the Last Jedi trailer came out and we all saw the red in the battle on crate. Mm-hmm. I thought at first that it was blood. So I thought it was a giant cake. <laughs> you did. I was really excited. I was I thought, man, they're fighting on, an, on a, a red velvet. And cake. then they cut the red velvet the whole, cake and the yeah. cheese frosting. Yes, the whole planet is one giant red velvet cake. What's wrong with this? <laughs> you know, this is this is the best thing ever, really, when you think about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they kind of misled yeah. you with that, um, yeah. you know, in the trailer. And then what you get in the movie is not um, just restricted to that. They then explain it and, and even have that throwaway scene of the guy tasting it from the trench going, it's salt. Yeah, Gareth Edwards. <laughs> yeah. The erstwhile Rogue One director. Um, all right, so Vanity Fair, good stuff. Any uh, closing thoughts on that? I think that it gives you a little bit more than we knew from the just the trailer, but only mm-hmm. what they want you to see. Yes. Still some misdirection. Very much. Yes, it is very much an engineered view of what's coming up in the film. Uh, I, I get, like you, I very much get the sense that it's, they're, they're kind of channeling you down a certain maze and you don't get to look in the side rooms. You just you're we're pushing you here for right now. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's for good reason. Don't pay uh, attention to what's behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Not yet. We got a lot more we want to show you. And that's going to be fun. A lot of fun. 
Um, so the other news item that I kind of wanted to get into is we are just a couple of days away. This will be released, what, Wednesday the 29th, uh, which I did not mention at the beginning and Riley will shoot me for. Um, mm-hmm. But that means that we are two days as of the release of this episode away from the opening of Galaxy's Edge. And there have been a ton of media previews. Uh, unfortunately, I don't rank with that kind of media, apparently. Uh, but uh, in Anaheim, there have been a ton of people who have seen this thing. Are you uh, are you making plans to go anytime? Uh, I'm making plans, but I may not actually get there <laughs> until like 2021. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> because of That's, saving uh... the money up for the plans. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, Disney ain't cheap. I was doing a, I was doing a little side research the other day because Disney is a passion project of mine, and uh, there's a ten year span. I think I I'm trying to remember. It's like uh, twenty. It's like 2005 to 2015. The average price of a Disney vacation went up 86 percent, and at the same time, median household income went up 15 percent. Wow. So. Yeah, they're not making it any easier for people to go, but yet they're still having to beat people off with a stick. Uh, you know, they got so many people trying to go. So, um, but it's going to open there this Friday, and then August 29th it'll open at Walt Disney World in wonderful Reedy Creek, Florida. And uh, you, you live a little closer to that. You and I are both East Coasters. Mm-hmm. And uh, are, are you planning on trying to go when you go? Are you going to try to go down there, or are you just kind of saving it all for the next celebration? I think probably we'll plan a trip to go to Orlando first, um, not necessarily in conjunction with a celebration. Mm. Um, well, no, that's not true. We're going to probably go to Disneyland uh, in <laughs> 2020 because of Anaheim being where celebration is going to be. Yeah. Uh, which, again, speaking of news, no date on that yet. Uh, I have a little theory, which is... You know, it's been April the last couple of them, um, and uh, people don't tend to remember that five and six were both in August. And yeah, I was telling my son the other day. I said if they get into June, like uh, what I say, just say, say April, May, June. If they get past June, if they get into July and haven't announced the dates yet, I got to think it's going to be later, like August. I can't imagine them getting nine or ten months out and then announcing the date. That would make sense because I think this year, uh, you know, it was in Chicago in April, and I think tickets went on sale last May. Yeah, I'm thinking it was, yeah, it was like. Like a year out. You know, 11 months, yeah, almost a year out. And I feel like, you know, that's just tickets go on sale. We knew the dates before that. And I can't imagine them not even announcing the dates until, you know, nine or 10 months out. So I, I kind of feel like this is going to be later in the year. And so my money's still kind of on August because, uh, unlike here, most school systems don't really get going until Labor Day. So it would still it'd be a time when people were traveling; they would be able to be out. They wouldn't be in school. We'll see. This is just my raw speculation, but I think I think if we don't hear anything by the end of June, you can count on later in the year. All right. Well, we'll come back and see if you were right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've got our trip to Walt Disney World booked for December, mid-December. Figure, give them a minute to work the bugs out. And uh, we'll hit it then. My wife and I go down for our anniversary every year. So. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be an exciting moment for us to go walk amongst Star Wars. And it was funny because I was showing my wife the videos yesterday, and they had these great videos of, like, this guy and his daughter walking through the land, and then there's, there's like, two other people there. And I'm like... The, that's not going to be the way that is. 
Right. It's, it's going to be, be a sea of humanity. Yeah. People bumping into each other. <laughs> strollers rolling over your yeah. toes. Yes. Yes. No offense to people, people with children. I don't have any yet. No. But I want to. Well, I, I have them. Um, they're great. They're awesome. I encourage everybody to do it. Uh, but yeah, even though mine's 21, I'm still trying to get him to not go in the stroller when we go to Disney. It's been a little tough, but we're still working on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to go mid December. So, uh, I'll try and make sure that, uh, Riley gets a trip report so he can, heck I'll record something there. Although I, I have this weird feeling he's going to beat me to it. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> All right. You ready to move on to Boba's bounty? Ready. All right, let's body it is. As you wish. Boba's bounty. <laughs> All right, Christy, bring it. You go, you go first. I got to think of what Oh, I go is. first. Oh, you <laughs> I was, I, I got to tell you, again, I think I've made several references to the fact that I'm an ancient, old, uh, you know, dusty flatulence kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, this... The announcement, I guess it came at Celebration. They were going to do these retro collection figures. And then I started to hear they were starting to hit the shelves. And I went crazy. And I rode around town and rode around town. Never could find them. And a buddy of mine got the code numbers for them at Target and went to Target. And the Target computer said they had 18 in stock at our local Target. But nobody at Target could find them. So about two days later, I went in and they were all sitting on the racks. And I can't tell you the weird but glorious and exciting feeling it it gave me to be able to go in and buy all six of these retro figures right off the stands uh and they just they just look gorgeous they are so beautiful and they're so they're so part of my formative years that uh i i just i've been over the moon ever since i got these things i'm so glad Aww. to finally got them but they are awesome. And that's really such awesome. a rarity to actually find all the ones you wanted at the same time in the same store. Yeah. Yep. And that's and, you know, they had they had one of each sitting on the peg in the store. And I just kind of went, all right, these are all mine. See you guys later. <laughs> I'm so, so glad you Sorry, got everybody else. Yes, they're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, And it's not like right. you were going to, like, go sell them on eBay. You want them to genuinely enjoy them. No, it's funny because there's a Facebook group dedicated to these things. And, you know, some of these guys, they try to screen people out with the Facebook thing. So I went to join the Facebook group because I thought I would talk about these things because I'm so excited about them. And uh, they they had these two questions about how you would resale, resell them when you resold them and what kind of markup you do and all this other stuff. And, I, and I, my, my answers were, I don't want to resell them. I just wanted to join the group to talk about them. Yeah. You're like, and, uh, and they let, yeah. this is what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, wow. So, um, so I, I, uh, they, they let me in though, to the group. So I'm there. I'll tell you sometime what, uh, what, uh, they actually wind up talking about in there, but I hope it's not just talking about reselling them. Cause I, I don't want to. Yeah. It makes me sad. You know? Yeah, I know. I know. So have you got one? I do. I, I can't believe okay. that I forgot about it momentarily. But um, my Boba's Bounty is actually from uh, May the 4th. I was able to get up early and go to our local Disney store for the uh, Phantom Ooh. Menace lithograph. Ah, very cool. Yeah. So we're going to frame that at some point. I hope soon. Um and actually was able to do a, a second transaction to get one for my friend since he wasn't able to get one. Oh, wow. 
How very neat. Yeah, it's and this pretty. Is, this is the, uh, I'm looking at one, I think this is it now. It's kind of, it's kind of a, the color scheme of The Last Jedi poster. It's kind of a red and white thing. Is that it? Yes, there's a lot of red. Maul's face is huge in the center in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the 20th anniversary Phantom Menace lithograph. You could only get at the Disney store if you made a purchase on May the 4th. Wow, it's gorgeous. I love it. It's uh, And i got to tell you something. I'm excited that they're actually doing little things for the Phantom Menace's 20th anniversary. I was so worried that they would try to shove it in a corner and try to pretend like it didn't happen and ignore it. And they're, they seem to be embracing it. And I think that's great. They are. And, and it's nice too, you know, especially since this year was the first time maybe ever, I think that Ahmed best came to a star Wars celebration. Yes. And thank goodness, you know, it, it for it being the 20th anniversary of that movie and, um, you know, Hayden Christensen coming back and everything. I think it was a lot of fan love showing them that it's not all hate out there. No, exactly. Exactly. And Phantom Menace is one of those that really took it on the chin uh, 20 years ago. And I watched it being taken on the chin and I was frustrated. I went and saw it as much as I could see it at the theater just to counterbalance that because that's kind of jerk I am. So <laughs> <laughs> Ha-ha. show you yes. ticket sales. Yeah. Exactly. I'll throw another couple of dollars. I'll go see something else and still buy a ticket to the Phantom Menace just to give them the money. <laughs> and no, I didn't do that for that movie. I did do that for episode three, though. That's okay. I will tell you the truth. I went and saw, I think my kids wanted to go see Madagascar. And I'm like, no, I want to go see episode three. And it was like it's double whammy because it was Father's Day and they were giving these special Father's Day episode three posters away. But you had to buy a ticket to episode three. And I'm like, and you played your Father's uh, Day card? Yeah, well, I just said, you know what? I'm buying a ticket to episode three. I will sit in the theater with you and watch Madagascar, but my ticket and my money are going to Star Wars. So, so you did both. Yeah, yeah. Best of both worlds. That's how it works. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I think that's a pretty darn... I love that poster. I really do. I think that's a pretty darn good bogus county. Yeah, I was pretty excited about I, it. Whoops. And I think that's going to do it for us today. Is that enough? How about that? <laughs> do you think that was... Enough. <laughs> I, I think we've I think we've run off enough listeners for today. Um, so nah, <laughs> nah. Christy, tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. Throwback to Leia and Bespin. Hmm. Uh, and then you can also find me on uh, a couple of different podcasts now. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, I'm doing uh, every other week my show with my friend Teresa called Sabers and Spells, where we talk about geek and pop culture for about 30 minutes every other week. And then uh, uh, here on Star Wars Report once a month, I do five minutes uh, fashion and five about men's and women's Star Wars fashion. Uh, and last but not least, I do a show once a month, uh, once a week, sorry, with my friend Matt <laughs> Rushing called the 602 Club. Yes. Yes. Love the 602 Club, actually. Love. Oh, thank you. And love Matt Rushing. And I, and I was actually, it's funny you mentioned him because I was looking and my hair is very large today and it reminded me of the perfect quaff of Matt Rushing. Oh, he does have one of those. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. And, uh, of course, uh, if you guys want to play with me, I'm at uh, Rifen. And, of course, you can go to Star Wars Report online as well and play with them all over the place. So uh, please feel free to do so. Uh, don't forget to join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. I'm doing all of this from memory because I don't have Note 1 in front of me. So, <laughs> uh, And thanks to Riley for basically giving me a new friend. 
Yay. Because I've got friends. Christy now in my corner. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and remember, Christy, I make it up to Atlanta every so often, so we get the whole gang together and we get up there, okay? Oh, yeah. We'll have to have a welcome back Riley party. Yeah. There you go. I love it. I love it. All right, kids, we got to get out of here. Don't forget, uh, pick up that Vanity Fair when it hits the stands. I don't think it's on newsstands yet. And uh, go to Galaxy's Edge and let everybody know how it is. And uh, oh, wait a minute. How many? There's no qu- set number of Bothans who died to bring you this podcast, are there? No, many Bothans. Darn, many Bothans. Died to bring you this podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs>